0: Boos turns to cheers as Allen Iverson delivers the game ball here in Philadelphia. Some of the greatest players ever to play the game have worn that Sixer uniform. Joining us tonight are some of those legends. Please welcome two of the best centers ever to play the game. From the 2000, 2001 76ers, a 7-2 center from Georgetown, number 55, Dikeme Utombo! World
1: champion 76ers, a 6'10 center from Petersburg High School in
0: Virginia, number two, Hall of Famer Moses Malone. This is the most emotional we have seen you after a victory. Larry Brown said that these are the kinds of games that define players and define franchises. What does this say about this team that they've been able to come back like this and win this game?
2: We're a team. You know, we're a team. It's simple as that. You know, don't get no better than this. You know, in the locker room, outside the locker room, we're always a team. We always look out for each other. We always do a lot of things with each other. We're a team. But the first time in my life, I'm on a
0: team. Did you hear what Andrew Bynum said? Andrew Bynum, despite his beautiful eloquence, despite the
1: fact that he's an honest kid, um, he's somebody that's incredibly smart.
0: Listen to the words. He said, I never thought... And then he talked about bowling. You know why? Because Andrew Bynum's always thinking. And you know what he's always thinking, Skip? That he knows better than everybody else. That's the problem with Andrew Bynum.
2: Hello and welcome to the Double Clutch Podcast. Today we've got a special edition for you. We're talking about the Philadelphia 76ers in an episode we like to call State of the Franchise. Um, I'm joined today by regular co-host Mr. Matthew Bates.
3: Hello, hello, hello.
2: And joining us all the way from Australia... Australia's greatest export since Vegemite, Mr. Brendon Caden. How
1: you going, there, guys? Thanks for having me. It's great to have you
2: on, Benham. Um
1: Absolutely, I love I uh, love talking about the Sixers to anyone who listen So it's uh,
2: it's great. That's the point. I mean, I don't really get a chance to talk to them much because whenever we try and bring him up on the show, Matt kind of just slams the door. how did we all become Philadelphia Seventy Sixers fan be- fans? Because it's fair to say, if we combine the members of the Double Clutch and the uh, believe the hype that. Is it quite a strong Philadelphia con- contingent, and it's, it's it's very strange. So I'd just like to get your thoughts on why why are we all Philadelphia 76ers fans?
3: Well, for me personally, it started with uh, Alan Iverson. After Jordan left, I only watched uh, Jordan play for the '97 '98 '98 season. But yeah, after Jordan left, I was looking for someone someone else to root for, and I guess. In '99, Iverson won the scoring title, and he really caught my eye just because every single game—they didn't show that much on, on uh, British TV at the time—but every time that they seemed to show him, he was scoring 30, 40, and just his style of play really, just really caught my eye. I also read Slam magazine, and, and again, Allen Iverson was always on—he was always on the cover for that—and they always had great articles about him. And I really cemented in the uh, 2001 All-Star Game where he led the Easter. That the East, and uh, also in the finals when, unfortunately, they did lose, but a bit of success. Not to call myself a glory sport, but it, it kind of helps.
2: Yeah, what about you, Benjamin?
1: Uh, very much the same. I mean, Alan Iverson was was always my guy, and you know I loved everything about Iverson from the the cornrows to the arm sleeves to the to the questionable attitude. He was, he was he was the one player in the league that I absolutely loved, and uh, yeah, basically since you know his early days in Philadelphia, uh, and yeah, I was hooked.
2: Mm, yeah I think that's similar for me i mean I'm a bit younger, but um when I used to play like the uh two k games and stuff Alan Iverson was always the best player, and then you kind of see what he does in real life and he's just he's just fearless and the way i think that's something about philadelphia like it's it's kind of a uh, it's a town which has kind of got a chip on his shoulder, and I really like the way most of the teams kind of play with a lot of courage and apart from the sixties this year, but that's something we'll get on to and um so we'll just talk about. Now, how would you like sum up the season we've just seen with the with the Sixes? We obviously did not make the playoffs for the first time in a couple of years, and uh, how how would you uh, rate what happened last year? Well,
1: I think it was a bit of a disaster, quite frankly. I mean, from the the position yeah. the Sixers were in, you know, going you know into the postseason last year and and going into the, I guess one game within one game of the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, looking at you know this sub 500 record they had this season, it's uh it was a disappointing step back. But uh, I think you know it's at the time I I didn't completely disagree with with the moves they made. So it it, it all seemed like it was the right idea. But yeah, overall, I think just disappointing is a uh, you know, what sums it up for me.
3: Mm. Yeah, we we had our we had our hopes up at the start of the season, and we didn't really know it was going to play out the way it did. Mainly, we'll get on to him I know later. Mainly based on the uh, the hope of one man.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right, I and mean, it's just just talking about the season and what we saw. It was probably some of the most ugly basketball I've ever seen, and. I really found myself not watching the Sixers sometimes because it just wasn't entertaining and there's just so many more entertaining teams and I know they're our team but when once you don't make the playoffs and there's nothing to hope for most of, the, most of the players aren't going to be here next year it just it feels like we've got to rebuild the whole team again because last year we got rid of the whole team really like Iguodala left Lou Williams left Elton Brand and now we've got uh, everyone leaving really so we're going to see another new team and Let's just hope this one does a little bit better. And um obviously, on the state of the franchise, we'd like to talk a bit about the uh, franchise we support and give you a little bit of background. And The Philadelphia 76ers, it's fair to say, they've got a pretty rich history. They've got a lot more championships, more than some teams. they got three, winning, um, winning the one in 1954, 1966, and 1982. So, there hasn't been a championship for um about over 30 years, and this is something that the new ownership would probably want to change. If we're talking um, noble players for the Sixers, I mean, there's there's been tons. We've, we've got Dr. J, Moses Malone, Will Chamberlain, the round matter rebound, Alan Iverson, Mo Cheeks, uh, Doug Collins. So it's fair to say the, the Philadelphia seventy six is a very storied franchise, and I think it's a very proud one. Yeah, yeah went,
1: absolutely. So uh, yeah, as you said, they they very much are a storied franchise, and and you. I like to think of them in the same category as the the Knicks, Lakers, Celtics, and Bulls, as far as that rich history and and you know, just being one of the I guess bigger you know teams in the in the NBA. But I mean, unfortunately, you look at you know the Lakers and the Celtics and the Bulls who have you know had quite recent success, and and I guess the Knicks are probably the one that you know one ten will draw parallel with in the fact that you know they have had good teams have been, have been in situations where they thought they could win, and and it's sort of fallen over. But it's yeah, it, the Sixers are a team that you know I think will always be in the NBA and and when, when these sort of five or six teams are are at their best that's when the NBA is at their best so it's you know you really want the Sixers to to be back up, up at the top of the NBA
3: yeah they as as already pointed out there's some notable players there M- majority of them are in the top arguably 50 and stuff but mm. what's annoying about the Sixers is at the moment is when you're looking at the rich history you we're looking more about uh, the players instead of the teams even from the past, than that, apart from the championships teams, it is based notably around players rather than the, the actual teams.
2: No, yeah, you're right. And it's always been the front office have always um, never been able to build the team around a superstar recently. I mean, back in the day, there had Dr. J and or, Moses Malone and that. But these days, you see, Charles Barkley didn't get the help he wanted. Um, that's in the 90s. And then Alan Iverson, as much as he took the team to the finals, it's fair to say his supporting cast wasn't great. I mean, the front front office loved the idea of Aaron McKee and I can't really say I'm I'm a big fan of his um, right. and um, I think it's kind of got to that time now where we need to really take this seriously guys and it's probably going to be a sticky situation for us but we're going to talk about thing which caused me more as many sleepless nights as anything in the world and that is Andrew Bynum's knees and Andrew Bynum's trade
0: Makes me super excited. These guys, they're definitely passionate fans. Um, you know, I'm very passionate about my game, and you know, I'm gonna play with a high level of intensity and leave it out there. And you know, hopefully they can they can match my energy and keep me going. Um, and, and from the looks of it, you know, they came out in a big way to support us, and it just it's, it's amazing. Um, I actually never seen anything like this, to be honest, and I'm l- I'm looking forward to, to seeing what it's gonna be like when we get a sold out arena. To be honest, man, I, I, my first experience here has been so great. Um, I'm really leaning towards, you know, making 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 this my home. You know, I'm not a guy who wants to be all around and, uh, you know, I have a lot of teams under my belt.
2: What happened there, guys? I mean, if for me, I'd make the move again if you gave it to me because we weren't to know about his knee, uh, about him getting injured again. And it was the only move, really, I thought, that put us in a position to win a championship. And The team we had was good. I mean, Iguodala was good. Lou Williams was good. Uh, Elton Brand was OK. But that, that, that team was never going to win a championship. It was lucky that we even got past the Bulls. And bringing Andrew Bynum in, I really felt that put us in the top four of the Eastern Conference. Alas, it's not worked out. So, in, at the end of the day, I'll, I'll put this question to you, which I don't know if I'm going to... Get a good answer, but did we win the trade?
3: We well, certainly at the time, yes. Mm. But looking back, yeah, we we didn't, we didn't win. We definitely didn't win. We may not have become the worse out of it, as me and Frankie were discussing last night. That maybe the Lakers, maybe in some parts, may have come off worse from us. But we just so not only did we le- le- not get anything in return, but we lost some. What we didn't, I know, I certainly didn't think. Young players that would be as good as they were this season mm. when we had
2: them. Mo Harkless, he's been very good in um, magic. He's almost like a bit of an Igadala, like a really good defender. Can finish well around the rim, af- super athletic. So him and then you've got like um, a rebounder like Nick Vucevic. I mean, we've been crying out for rebounds all season and all last season. We just didn't hit the boards well. And we had a guy there who's leaded, He's in the top five for rebounds. It's like, what? Well, what was Doug Collins doing?
1: Uh, admittedly, I think the Sixers definitely got a little carried away in, I guess, the amount that they gave up for for uh, for Andrew Bynum, but. Um that's why I thought they drafted Moharcos originally, and and, and that's a, the reason I thought Iguodala would be traded was because mm. they had almost drafted a replacement, you know, as, as a six six swingman who could replace that scoring and and also allow Evan Turner to sort of take control uh, of those responsibilities a bit more. And yeah, it, it was a weird situation that on top of that we ended up losing a first round draft pick as well. And I think when you look at you know the production that they lost out of those three guys compared to what they got you know back from Andrew Bynum, it, 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 it does sort of really there is a bit of a a, a landslide sort of loss in, in that trade. But, yeah, I think it had to happen, though. I think the Iguodala team had sort of gone as far as it could. And, and, mm. and like you said, it wasn't a championship roster. And, you know, the Bynum move definitely was something that would have put Philadelphia in, in what I think easily in the top four in the Eastern Conference.
2: Yeah, I mean... The team was built around Bynum. We had like three point shooters, Jason Richardson in that trade as well, um, Nick Young hitting three. You could have had Drew Holiday. And like, I think you just don't know what this team would have been without uh, Andrew Bynum. And you don't know whether Doug Collins would still be here. I, I-, I just think that's, a- that's an interesting thing to look at. It. And I don't think we'll ever know the answer. But does your, uh, we'll get onto the off season moves later. But quickly, do you think Bynum stays in Philly?
1: I'd like him to. I, I think, just based on what we've just discussed, what we gave up for Bynum, it, it would be a shame for not only the team but for the fans to see, you know, him walk away for nothing, and the team's been gutted for, for no reason. So I, I'd like to see Andrew Bynum, you know, even with all the controversy that he brings, you know, at least play one season in Philadelphia next season.
3: Mm. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 as long as he is productive, obviously. But I know we don't really know that going in, but he's always going to be. When he is productive, he is in the top five top 5 centers in the league and he's a very old school center that there's not that many around in the NBA at the moment mm. but if we do, if we weren't to resign him and then if he goes to i don't know any any other team and he starts being productive and up to an All-Star level and really helps impact that team then we're just going to we're going to be feel worse than we did this season
2: and that was pretty bad And um, uh, among the uh, dark, dingy season, I think it's one of the most depressing seasons for a sports fan. But there are a few positives. One for eight is LeBron in the second half. Minute 22 left. Holiday, James at home. Oh,
0: my. He knifed his way through the heat defense. And Miami wants a timeout. Momentum here in Philadelphia. The Wells Fargo Center on the edge of delirium. Drew Holiday with a 10 point fourth quarter. You don't see many people do that for the Miami defense.
2: What can you take from this season? I mean, I know I'll probably take the obvious one here, guys, but Drew Holiday's emergence as an all-star. What, what a player this guy was for the first half of the season. Obviously he tailed off, but the guy was, he, he was leading this team on his own. and. We, even before the All Star break, we were kind of still in the playoff race a little bit, and that was because of Drew Holiday putting up nineteen and eight like every game. And there was an argument that we had that he should have started the All Star game really, because I felt he had a better first half of the season than Rajon Rondo and Kyrie Irving, to be honest.
3: Well, yeah,
1: well, I think that's exactly right. in the In the first half of the season, you know, it's no coincidence that the Philadelphia 76ers fell off the planet in the you know. In, after the all-star break along you know the same sort of timeline that Drew Holiday sort of started to to regress a little bit in the back end of the season and and he single-handedly almost sort of willed this team into the situation that they were pretty much you know going to make the playoffs the Milwaukee Bucks you know were never a playoff team and it was basically the Sixers inability to to beat teams like the Pistons and the Wizards uh that cost them a playoff spot and and you know most of that had to do with with the way Drew Holiday you know really carried
3: this team yeah, he, he should have been in the shout. He was definitely in a shout for most improved at the start of the season. At the end of the season, his uh, his improvements were plus four points, uh, an extra three point five assists from last year, five percent extra usage rate, and uh, solid two in the PER. It just showed that he could run the t- he could run he can run an NBA team, and he's definitely the biggest, as you said, uh, positive in the team. And yeah, hopefully he can regain keep keep improving and maybe once again as Frankie says be an all-star starter but I guess really you need the fans the whole nation's support to get to be a starter. I
2: think it was the perfect year to be an all-star because you had like players like uh, Derek Rose injured so I don't know if he'll get there again next year. Yeah
1: Darren Williams sort of mm. lost the plot this season as well so in, in in a perfectly Injury free season, he he probably isn't an all star, but I think yeah, he thoroughly deserved it this year, and and not even just you know statistically the improvement that he made, but I think just his decision making uh, mm. and also his ability you know to attack the basket and be quite aggressive, really sort of willed what little spirit the Sixers had uh, this mm-hmm. season, and, and and he was very you know very much the reason that the Sixers were you know, any any chance of making the playoffs.
2: And I think his defense is very good as well. I mean, he's got long arms, uh, he's six foot four. He's very good for his size. He can move laterally quick. And um, in the end of the day, I, he's not. He's one of the few assets I'd really keep, and I wouldn't trade this year because, I mean, we get onto off-season moves. And I mean, Thaddeus Young, I think, is another positive for me. I think I think he had a good season again. He's always improving. And I know and before Doug Collins, Thad used to. Get out and stretch the th- floor with a three-point shot, and I, that's something I'd like to see him do again, because he wasn't a bad three-point shooter. So, but Thaddeus Young had another good year, I think, and he, him along with Drew Holiday were the, the only two players really to come out of this with any kind of, because any kind of, um, any kind of improvement made on the season. Because players like Evan Turner, I, I just don't think he was that much better. I think he his numbers went up because his minutes went up.
1: Yeah, he, he didn't. His impact, I don't think, went up at all. He, as you said, the numbers and the and the points uh, sort of correlate directly, but he he didn't really stamp himself or any level of authority on this team the way that Drew Holiday and to a certain extent Thaddeus Young did. Uh, he almost sort of had a bit of a a complimentary passenger season where he didn't sort of take that next step that you know everyone had sort of expected, especially you know being a number two pick.
0: Mm. Is
3: it safe to say that he was he uh, he's a he's a flop yet? Oh.
1: I don't think he's a flop. I think he, he, I, I'd like to give him another season or two to really prove himself. But I mean, when you look at you know guys that are coming out of that draft class and and what else Philadelphia could have picked up, it, it really really does hurt. Considering you know he went number two and and guy and a guy like Paul George went at number ten, uh, you know a great big in Derek Favors went at number three, DeMarcus Cousins, Greg Monroe. There was a lot of a lot of guys that you know Philly would be crying out for right now ahead of Evan Turner, and I think yeah that that
2: kind of burns a little bit. Yeah, it burns, but I think you've it's similar with the Bynum. You got to look at it at the time <laughs> Evan Turner was the college player of the year across all the uh, division. Like he got all the college player of the year awards. There was a consensus that he, like he was the second best player in the draft, and there was there was even people saying that he should have gone number one. So, I mean, it hasn't worked out. I just don't think he's athletic enough, and he doesn't specialize in anything. Like he's kind of. Okay, at everything he's not like he's not gonna give you twenty points, but he's not gonna give you ten rebounds. He's not gonna give you ten assists, and he's just a solid role player. And are we do, are we are we being too too harsh to expect something? I think it's because he went number two. If we picked up Evan Turner in say the middle of the draft, I think it'd be a good pick. Say if we picked Drew second and switched their draft positions, I think it'd look a lot better.
1: That's a really good point because Drew I think surprised a lot of people, you know, going in at a, at a number 17 pick. He didn't really have a, a great career at UCLA and, and not a lot was expected from him and, and that, that was a nice surprise and, and as you said, it's pretty much the inverse with Evan Turner where a lot of pressure has, has been heaped on him and, and you haven't really got the production that, that a lot of people have expected from him. Recently you were quoted as saying Andrew Bynum who didn't didn't play for Philadelphia this year is quote damaged goods because of his injuries. Had some comments about the Lakers and the Celtics. What did, what did you mean uh, about negotiating with them and the comment that Bynum's damaged goods?
0: Well, I think I was talking about the Sixers and the and the uh the the management and the and the ownership and their commitment and their commitment to uh to excellence, to being a contender, uh to being a champion and they set a timeline. Of uh, five to seven years from uh, three year, three seasons ago, and uh, so as it closed in on the timeline, uh, the comment was really about not making uh, any mistakes, you know, not making decisions that don't turn out. So that's how we got over to the Andrew Bynum decision, which on paper seemed like a good decision, but you know, forewarned is foretold. If you're going to deal with the Celtics, who are our natural rivals, or the Lakers and the two teams that have won the most championships in the history of the NBA, um, they're always going to make deals where they get the better end of the deal. And that's been their history. And uh, that's how they presently are. And that's how they're going to be in the future. So for the Sixers to get Andrew Bynum and think that he was going to be an all-star and going to be an all-pro and be a valuable part of the franchise, as was the thinking, uh it it turned out to be a bad deal.
2: This might take a while, but we're going to talk about the negatives of the season. And um, for me, as well as, well as uh, Mr. Andrew Bynum, I'm going to have to talk about Doug Collins. And um, Doug Collins, for me, represents the old school thinking, and it's just it's just not needed in the NBA anymore. He's too outdated, and I like his defensive philosophy and the fact. You should stop people uh, having three-point shots on layups. Give them the uh, long two. But then, why on offense will we take the long two? It's it kind of practice what you preach. And with Doug Collins, especially with some of his minutes per game, he'd give players like I don't understand the decision to sign Kwame Brown, let alone play him. And he he was playing people like Kwame Brown over Arnett Moultrie, who's, who's by all accounts got a bright future. And I just felt Doug Collins he took us as far as he could go and he was starting to regress us. And it, it wasn't nice to see because Doug Collins, on the whole, I like the man, but this season really turned me against him. And it's not just because we lost so many games, it's just because of some of his decisions were so... It just didn't make sense to me.
3: Well, he does it everywhere yeah. he goes. He goes from... He, for the Bulls, Wizards, Pistons before us, he has three years of progression and improvement on a team and then in that fourth year, I think it's safe to say in this in this season, definitely, that the Sixers just started giving up on him. Like mm. he had that he had that press conference when he was uh, saying that every that no one had hustle or no one had the desire or the pride, and I think they just literally quit on him. Really, this year.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right because I mean, I I can handle losing games. I mean, you know, we're Sixers fans; we're used to that, <laughs> but. It's the way you lose games that I think is is important. And and towards the end of the season, there was a really really bad attitude creeping into the the Sixers locker room to the point where it seemed as though they weren't listening to Collins. He couldn't get through to the guys, and and you know, their their rotations and, and defensive sets were very unorganised. There was a lot of heads down, a lot of just really poor body language, and it and it you know it spreads around very quickly. And and I think you know the, the end of the season couldn't have come quicker for for the team and Collins.
2: Yeah, it was just one we wanted to go with and Doug Collins again I think he his coaching style's been been noted that he's he's a bit hard on the players, like he's not a players coach and he's very um very very harsh and obviously that can be good but I think he's very draining and I think with the three year tenures he has that, that kinda of shows like his coaching style is just something that's not long term and that's not really what the Sixers need anymore.
1: Especially with the age of the core of this team as well, it's a very young team. Uh, when you look at you know who, who, who the main guys are, and Drew Holiday's twenty-two, Thad Young and Evan Turner are both twenty-four, along with Spencer Hawes, uh, and of course Andrew Bynum is twenty-five. So really, there's there's a couple of years you know to go before these guys are all sort of hitting their stride. You know, if Andrew Bynum is still around, yeah, such a young locker
2: room. I would say um it's, you need like a young coach really. I think to grow with the team, like um you know like a Mark Jackson in Golden State. He took the Steph Curry's of the world, the Clay Thompsons of the world, and then grew them as players. And I think that's what we need, kind of a young, young kind of assistant, or well,
1: similar to Frank that's... Vogel in Indiana with what he's done with that mm. uh, that young team.
2: Well, I think the playing style was also also
3: wrong. I thought we should have. <clears throat> uh, I think we should have run run a lot more than we did. Like we were tenth, we were twentieth in the league in pace. Tenth, tenth best in defense, which is good, but we were also last in points per game for the season for the ho- as as a whole oh. team. Which, as you said, it was not pretty basketball and pretty boring. But yeah, you're gonna get that when you're the last, the least scoringest team in the league.
2: And yeah, like we just need to. We've got the young legs. Why don't you use them? I mean, I think uh, a couple years ago when we were when we got to that really hot start coming out of the lockout, I think we were 12 and three, and we had everyone running. We had Iguodala running, Lou Williams running, and It was actually quite exciting to watch, and it felt really weird that the Sixers team were exciting. And I think that's really what you want to do. I mean, at the end of the day, we're not the biggest franchise anymore. We're not going to get free agents, so let's just have a bit of fun until we can get a superstar.
1: Yeah, I think there's a a very direct correlation between... The, the running style that we did see from Philadelphia last season to the lack of defensive stops that you know they were able to get you know in this season you know, no one was taking rebounds Spencer Hawes is not the intimidating sort of you know post presence and 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 paint protector and and the perimeter defense you know without Andre Iguodala was you know it was almost turnstiles out there so we weren't forcing teams into turnovers and 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 that didn't allow us to, to play that running game because you know things were quite stagnant and and it was very much that sort of half court offense that the Drew Holiday sort of ran and he wasn't able to get out on the break, you know, as as we saw the Sixers do so well last year. So I think before we can sort of get back to that, we need, you know, to start taking rebounds, you know, hustling on defence and and also getting that perimeter, uh, you know, aggression and hostility back to to where it was last year.
2: And um, the fans are not turning up, are they? It's it's not good to see. I mean, a lot of the Sixers games have been very, very empty and... For a team as big as the Sixers, you'd, you'd expect, but that's that's the nature of Philly sports, isn't it? They're like, a very fickle bunch, and I think it'll have to take us winning the games before we see the Wells Fargo Center full full again. Well,
3: yeah, I went there in uh, I went to the Wells Fargo Center in December, and I know it was against the Lakers, but it was, and I know Kobe Bryant obviously is from Philadelphia, but it was near enough for a seventy percent Lakers 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 crowd, mm-hmm. and. Out of the few, I was there. Was some people around me that you could tell were the the diehards. Even they just they were giving up on it, and they just felt like they may as well just become Lakers fans for that one night.
2: Well, the Lakers weren't much better than us, were they this year? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I just think we've 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 got some positives to take from the negatives that happened. I mean, for me, Doug Collins going is very positive, and. We can have a young, bright coach with new ideas now. I mean, Doug Collins for me should retire and have, he's, he's good at the uh, broadcasting job, so go stick to that, mate. And um, we'll, we'll get a young coach. I mean, off the top of your head, who, who would you want? I mean, for me, my dream is Brian Shaw from uh, Indiana, but I can't see it happening. So I would take uh, Fisdale from Miami, who's also been rumoured.
1: Yeah, Brian Shaw's very much in uh, in high demand uh, around the NBA now. I think you know with with the vacancies that that, that have come up, you know, with, with the Brooklyn Nets and and the Denver Nuggets, um, and even the Los Angeles Clippers, there's probably more of a chance of him you know going to playoff ready teams, uh, mm. you know, like those three, rather than trying to rebuild from the ground up with uh, with Philly. But as you said, the, you know, look, looking at what he's done with Indiana. Um, yeah, you know, as an assistant there, I think they're a very, they're a very similar team to the Sixers in, in where they were at last year, and we've seen you know Indiana go one way exponentially, and Philadelphia go mm. decidedly the other way, and and I think he's the kind of guy that could come in and, and really change things uh, in the locker room and on the court.
2: And he's um, he can run the triangle offense, and if we had Bynum with, with the triangle, Brian Shaw, I mean, it could be could be very uh, fruitful. Yeah, it could be. Oh, I think
3: sure, I, th- I think sure. He's, as you said, he's in high demand, but I don't think we will get him no that's true so
2: <laughs> who, who who should we be targeting because george carl's just out of a job as well well as i said that we
3: want philadelphia to run george carl's pretty damn good at getting teams to run as you saw in denver uh for the last seven years but i don't know we said we want a young coach maybe he's not the mm. best place to go with and maybe he doesn't really want to uh rebuild with a team because he's been in the playoffs since the majority of the, his tenure, I think every year of his tenure in Denver, so maybe he doesn't want to go for a team that wants to rebuild.
1: You could look at someone like a Vinny Del Negro. I mean, he's not the most sexy coach out there, but I mean, he you know, he did have a yeah a very running style team with, with the Clippers, and it's something that I think yeah, wouldn't hurt having a guy like him out there. But it's yeah, George Carl's the the ideal candidate, but yeah, I, I really can't see him wanting to to try and start at the bottom with the Sixers.
2: Yeah, I mean, other names that have been thrown around with a job, you've got, uh, I just said, Fisdale from Miami, the one who looks like a fake Mark Woodson. Um, <laughs> uh, you've got, like, I think we lost Malone. He's gone to Sacramento, so there's one gone. And it's it's got to 8th of June, and we still haven't hired a coach, and I think well, maybe we're waiting for someone to get, We're waiting for the Heat to get knocked out. I, I really think Fisdale's going to be the man. I, I don't think Brian Shaw would come the Clippers, and even the Lakers, I think, is a better job for him. We said it on the podcast yesterday, the Lakers. The Lakers is the perfect job for Brian Shaw. I mean, if you get Dwight Howard re-signed, Steve Nash and Kobe on the triangle, whew, they're, they're, they'd be right back into title contention. And I just think it's going to be painful, but if you can get a young, broke coach, because we've seen uh, what Fisdale's has done with the Miami Heat team. He, I'm not quite sure if he's the offensive or defensive coordinator, but if you look at the offense for Miami, they've revolutionized the game, really. They've taken small ball to the extreme. But then if you look at the defensive end, they're always trapping and causing turnovers. So whatever way you look at it, he, he knows his stuff. and I think he's a very bright coach.
3: Well, keeping it, in close to the, um, keeping it close to Great Britain, there has been talks, I think I read it on Grandland, it might have been from the great Zach Lowe, that Chris Finch, the Great Britain coach, has been uh, rumored. There's been small rumors that he might be going... Uh, that Philadelphia might be taking an interest in him, which mm. which I don't really know. He's obviously been a, a assistant coach at the Houston Rockets for the last few years. I don't really know what he'd be like as a uh, as a head coach, but it's something, especially for me, Frankie and, and Matt. It is good to see that. Hopefully, maybe we might have a great British a British coach mm. uh, in the league, especially well, maybe for Philadelphia. It might not be the best thing, but it's just something <laughs> to look out for. <laughs>
2: That'd be great for you guys. Yeah, we. I mean, you've got all the Aussie, you've got all the Aussie players in the finals. We got no one. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: got, yeah, we're definitely definitely doing well. We had Bugget in the in the playoffs as well.
2: Mm. Yeah. We we had Dan getting ill and, <laughs> yeah. and, and rough uh, uh, rougher.
1: John Joel, Freeland.
2: <laughs> I think he had a few minutes, didn't
3: he? Yeah, for Portland, I think he averaged about two or three. <laughs> uh,
2: are, you, are you guys still claiming Ben Gordon or? I uh, I don't want to talk about Ben Gordon. <laughs> no, <not anymore. laughs> and um, we'll we'll get on to um, we've we've talked a bit about the last season, but we've got to talk about the hiring of the new GM um, from Houston Rockets. He was the assistant under Darryl Morey. It's Mr. Sam Hinkie, who, who he's got a background in analytics and all, always the new the new form of basketball thinking that's going on. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm really excited for the times of the Hinkie because. He's a, he's a very very smart man, he's very young and bright, and he'll always be looking to flip and trade assets and getting us in the best situation possible, and it'll be about analytics. We'll take more threes, I think, we'll finally get away from the long two, and there's been another good move in the fact we've got the uh, D-League team in our in, uh, in Delaware, which is a thing which like the San Antonio Spurs have, so there's been some good positive moves under Hinky already, and are you, are you pleased with the appointment?
3: Well, yeah, because the NBA, it's uh, it's going down. There's some slight things that are going down the same route that baseball has been with the muddy ball effect, with sabermetrics and sports uh, VU. Well, yeah, yeah, sports VU and uh, just advanced stats, and it's good to see that we we're finally coming up to terms. Like we, as you said already, that we'd had Doug Collins, who was doing the eye test. Now it's now <laughs> we're going completely 180 with with the new style of basketball. Um, once again I'll mention again, Zach Lowe did a great piece with uh, the Sport VU cameras and Philadelphia have got the Sport VU cameras which will help Hinky and the new whoever the coach is to, as you said, cut out the long twos, maybe more uh, obviously more threes and hopefully a post presence with if we do re sign Bynum.
1: I think it's a it's a great appointment and I think not even so much for for having Hinky in there but it uh it's it got rid of Tony DeLeo who who has sort of been the uh the, he's sort of worn a lot of the, the heat from the uh the Bynum trade. So I think it's a it's a bit of a fresh start and, and it sort of gets the the stink of that uh that situation, you know, out of the front office a little bit, uh even though he's knowing I mean, he's still gonna be around. But um yeah, I, I like the advanced statistics and and that kind of thing, and and we've seen you know Hollinger joining up with uh, with the Memphis Grizzlies, and and things are definitely heading down that road. So it's good to see Philly, I guess, being a little bit ahead of the curve for once, rather than uh, than very much behind as uh, as per usual.
2: Yeah, you're right, and I think with Hinkie, it's almost no one's safe. I think everyone's ready to get traded. Uh, in the draft, we'll talk about the draft in a minute, but there we're gonna. Take take the best player and look to flip him i think that's just that's the strategy you you're going to build up assets to try and acquire a superstar like houston did with um, james harden they they, they didn't have have the best players but they they acquired assets over time they had draft picks they had, they had good solid players and they built it up and packaged it up to land james harden and what a man what a, what a player james harden has been for them so I'm really, really hopeful for our future now and I think it is it's a lot better now that we've got Hinky than DeLeo as you said. And I think this is a this is a better chance of winning a championship now because I don't think we're gonna have to luck to a championship. We're gonna actually get it the right way and I'm really excited. I'm really excited for Hinky. I'm really excited for the era of Hinky.
1: Yeah, I like the idea of a Philly, you know, sort of copying that model of the Houston Rockets and and trying to do things the right way and build through the draft or or make the right kind of moves and opening up cap space and and trying to get a little bit of everything to try and build you know build the team rather than you know. Philly's never going to be a Miami Heat and, and, and attract you know multiple free agents. So I think this is the best approach to take, and we've seen it work with you know with the likes of Oklahoma, um, the Indiana Pacers, and, and, and of course the Houston Rockets. So taking all sort of you know the strengths of those sort of front office uh, moves and bringing that into Philadelphia, I think will only be a good thing. And and as you said, there's definitely potential um, down the track with the draft as well, and, and what they can sort of do, whether they you know try and fill a need or, or flip it for something else. There's there's definitely you know something there that the 76ers can do to complement, you know, what's already quite a quite a young team.
2: Who is a good coach to fit Hinky, I think. I mean, you need to look at a coach which is going to be young and bright. I mean, who would be your pick to go with Hinky? Like, if you had to, if you had to just say a name, who who you think is a good coach that could benefit in the style of analytics? I'll, I'll throw i throw down out there. I've, I've been a big backer of him recently. I think it's just me trying to go over the fact we're not going to get Brian Shaw, but I think. The way his Miami Heat team play, I think we could kind of translate that a bit with a bit more inside presence, and yeah, I'm going to go with Fisdale. I
1: mean, it doesn't hurt having some insider knowledge of uh, of the best team in the league, so there's definitely that added bonus that comes with uh, with Fisdale.
2: <laughs> and um, <clears throat> we'll talk about where where we go now, where, what happens in the off season, what moves do we make in the uh, free agency, uh, in the draft. Uh, Trading wise, and for me, I just think the biggest biggest subplot is does Evan Turner go, and I think he I think there's a real possibility he could. I think we we package him with a with a Spencer Hawes and a draft pick, and we go get someone. I think that's that's very likely, and I I think Evan Turner's days at Philly could be over.
1: Well, I think if you're going to move Evan Turner, now's the time to do it because I think there is still you know. Quite a lot of room left potential wise for him before he hits the ceiling, and I think a lot of teams will you know would take take that risk and, and and take on the potential of Evan Turner. I think if you wait a couple of years it's sort of getting to the point where it's probably a bit too late he'll be 26, 27, and, and we'll probably have seen the best of him so if we are going to move him and go down that road, I think you know this year is a good time to do it but uh i mean i I still think that he he can offer the six or something, but it, it's not it's sort of that treading water sort of phase. We're not going to be great with him, and we're not going to be terrible.
3: Oh yeah, it's the same thing with Bynum. In my in my opinion, I I don't really want him to stay, but if he does go somewhere else and starts producing in a different system, then it's mm. just going to make us look like bigger
2: idiots. Well, the thing well, is, Doug Collins has never been the the best coach at developing players. So maybe we look at it, get a new coach and see see how Turner does in a new system. And, I think maybe give him one more chance and then we see where we are. But then I think players like Spencer Hawes' days should be numbered because if he's round in Philly again next year, I'm really f- going to find this team awful to watch because I don't know about you guys, but Spencer Hawes' Hall- <coughs> game is one that just frustrates them living daylights out of me.
3: Well, yeah, he's so big and he can't, and he's he's just not being a consistent rebounder.
1: He definitely had a bit of a sideways year this year. He He had... A lot more opportunity to take control uh, of the front court for the Sixers, and and he didn't really improve at all. His, I think, you know, his his statistics were very much a replica of last season, and and, and it was really up to him to to sort of fill that sort of rebounding responsibility. And and quite frankly, he's one of the uh, softest big men in the league, and and he really just can't bang in there and get uh, get hard rebounds and and, and really be a presence that the Sixers definitely needed, uh, especially because that's what they were expecting with Bynum, and, and he didn't do anything near what we expected as a, as a supplementary kind of guy in a, in a primary role.
2: No, you're right. and uh, There was rumours that we were going to start, um, start him at the power forward with uh, Andrew Bynum at the centre, almost like a twin towers kind of LA thing. And But um, I don't think Spencer Hall is, is dirt on Power Gasol's shoes, but that's, that's, that's for another time. And talking about Andrew Bynum, we talked about we would try and sign him again. What... What what deal would you give him? Like uh, for me, you've got to go kind of two year guaranteed, with maybe a third as a team option. So you're looking at about fourteen million a season, I think maybe to get to get him on board with a team option of maybe sixteen million. Because you know, but I don't even think that'd be enough to land him.
1: Well, I think, you yeah, looking at the Sixers uh salary cap for for next season they've they've already got forty five million committed for 2013-14, so there isn't a great deal of uh of wriggle room um, you know, as far as, you know, getting guys like Nick Young or Darrell Wright, whether we we try and bring those guys back uh, and then try and fit Andrew Bynum in there as well. I th- I think you're right. I think two years with a team option uh for a third is probably the most sensible thing to do, but my genuine concern is that there'll be some muggish teams out there that will throw mm. big money at Bynum, and, and he's not the kind of guy that will stick around. I, I think he will he will definitely go uh, where the paycheck is, but uh, I, I think Philly really need to, to fight to try and keep him and, and sort of almost guilt him into it, and I I, I owe you guys one year.
2: Like the Bobcats, I think they're a team that could throw some money at him, um, because they... And the Suns maybe because they don't have really have a chance to land a star otherwise. And I think if the Bobcats threw say forty, fifty million at him, guaranteed, uh, he won't he won't turn it down.
3: No, he's not. He's not. He's definitely will be going for the money in that. But yeah, as we sa- as I said, I think Frankie, you got it spot on with the two years and the team option. But yeah, I'm just too, I am also just too scared of teams just going to throw so much, so much money at him and he's just going to he's going to leave and then we re- and then we really have just got nothing from that trade that happened see the thing is i
2: wouldn't try and um think about getting stuff from that trade because the trades happened now and we shouldn't resign the guy if his injury are that bad we we, we we're in a good position in the fact we know his knees the best or well, we should know his knees the best because we've been with him all year apart from when he's been flamenco dancing but <laughs> yeah we, we we should know him the best and at the end of the day if the trade doesn't happen we, we've still shed a lot of salary Igadala, we were never going to re sign him, I don't think. Uh, he, his last year was 14 million and 50 or 15 million. And I'm, I mean, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. But for me, Andre, Andre Igadala is not a superstar. He's not going to take you to to the top four of the, 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 any conference. He's a good player, but he's just. he does. He, he's a bit like Evan Turner in the way he's not really a specialist. If anything, he's a specialist defender. And. I think Andre Gadala took us as far as we can go. The trade happened, we've shed its salary, and we've just got to move on. I mean, if I don't think there should be any emotional ties to this decision. But what about
3: the uh, team chemistry, really, if Andrew Bynum does come back? Because earlier in the year, there was the uh, team roster photo, and quite there was a... I don't think they named names, but there were quite a few players that were glad
2: that he wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, someone photo. else didn't turn up, didn't they? I, think, I can't remember who, what player it was, but I'm sure another player didn't turn up. they was, like, maybe Wilkins or something. Who <laughs> no, cares? No, no, one cares about Wilkins. <laughs> it's it's interesting,
1: you know, trying to analyze the situation when when there are you know things that we don't really know too much about, like you know his interaction with the with the team, whether whether, you know, whether these guys even want him around. But I think purely from a basketball perspective, if if the Philadelphia seventy sixes are, are going to be competitive in the Eastern Conference, they need to have an elite level big man because as it stands, you know, we saw what Roy Hibbert did in the playoffs to the Miami Heat. You know the, the New York Knicks have a, you know, a Tyson Chandler-led front court. There's, you know, there's a lot of big men in the way around the sort of area that the Sixers will want to be uh, competing with, and, and w- without a, you know, a reasonable big man to take those rebounds and, and be able to defend the paint, it'll, it'll be very difficult for the Sixers to try and be anywhere near competitive in the in, in the playoff race in the East. So I think getting Andrew Bynum purely for that reason uh, alone is is definitely worth it. But having said that, there are quite a few, you know. Reasonable big men out there that, that are free agents at the moment, uh, whether it be an Al Jefferson or a Paul Millsap, or whether we can go after one of those guys is probably maybe a more responsible option than, than going for
2: Bynum. Mm, thing is, with Al Jefferson, I don't think he's he, he's okay, but he's just okay. Like he's a he's a good, a good player, but he's what six foot ten, I think. I think he's six foot ten, and he doesn't have the length, and he's he, he's going to be after a long deal. And we've seen with Elton Brand, Chris Webber. Them kind of players, we give these these twenty eight, twenty nine year olds these big deals, and they kind of it, it goes up and it, it suffocates us in the future.
3: Oh. Yeah, but I think li- re- what we should be looking at, I for free agents wise, I think Josh Smith could could fit nicely in the team. Mm,
2: I don't know. I, I think he might be a bit too similar to Thad.
3: Well, you never know. We could get a package, pack, put a package with Thad and uh, and Turner in the uh, the. Uh, Dead, at, the de- at the trade deadline, if, uh, if if we do sign Smith, I know this is just all hypothetical, but if Smith is producing well, then th- and as you said, he is very similar to Thad, then maybe we could a uh, Thad and turn a deal at the deadline. Might there could be a not necessarily a superstar, but a a, a good asset.
2: Well, so uh, to trade that's, for? That's assuming he stays in that in Atlanta.
3: No, 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 no. If we sign him
2: as a free agent. Oh, but we wouldn't need to trade anyone, would we? Yeah, but you said Thad. Oh right. <laughs> so you, you sister, trade, uh, trade you, Thad and Turner for someone else. Yeah. yeah. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. I thought you meant trade for Smith. Mm.
1: Well, yeah, let's, I, let's I think, think, think Josh Smith thing, would, yeah. would definitely work. He, I think he'd definitely work as a as a sixer. I mean, given the the complete lack of structure they seem to have at the moment, and you know, he can he can fall back in love with the three ball and mm. and help out you know with the with the rebounding side of things. Uh, yeah. More importantly, but I mean, there's definitely potential there, but. I'm not too sure how keen Josh Smith is to leave yeah, a mediocre playoff team in Atlanta to join another mediocre team. I think if that was sort of his intent, he'd probably stay in Atlanta. I think he's probably looking a bit more big picture, uh, probably looking somewhere more like a Boston or, or something else where there's there's another guy or two that could probably help him out. But having said that, Drew Holiday is there and is a, is a pretty uh, enticing prospect to play with. So we can... I guess, have some level of, of attraction for free agents in that regard.
2: And, and Josh Smith, a, he's a very good athlete and he could help in that running style we are talking about earlier and very good finisher around the rim. He's a good player and I think he was unlucky not to be higher mentioned in the All-Star All-Star uh, breath this year because I thought he had a very good year at the start and a bit like Drew, he tailed off. It's all about analytics with us this year and I think that's a good thing if we sign Josh Smith because... We'd have to get him to stop shooting them stupid jump shots. and it, I don't think it'd be as painful to watch as he is in Atlanta because Atlanta's coaching staff has not been great recently. I mean, Hoser will make him a lot better. But again, I, I'm not sure about uh, Josh Smith because I just don't want to talk, turn into the Hawks. And yeah, I, I don't think you could fall in love that much with the
1: three ball in Philly because there's there's already too many knuckleheads shooting threes <laughs> at, uh, at the sixes, the likes of Nick Young and, and so on. So you'd struggle to find space there.
2: No, you're right, and Spencer Hawes loves shooting a jump shot. He he can't take it the paint, he's allergic to the paint.
1: Except for those awkward running hooks that never seem to ever go in.
3: (laughs) Do you think we re-signed Nick Young?
2: No. Uh, Look... (laughs) I'd love love to be Swaggy P. (laughs) From a basketball perspective,
1: no, but... From my sheer enjoyment of, yeah. of having him on my team, 110%. I, I love Nick Young more than more than nearly anyone in the NBA, but uh, he's a frustrating guy because he's very talented. He's a very good shooter, but he just can't quite seem to put it together uh, in a constructive way. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be too devastated if he left, but if we're not going to win any games anyway, it might as well be entertaining.
3: Well, we should have really put Swaggy P in the uh, in the positive section, really, for this uh, for this podcast. I don't think I've, I don't think I've seen anyone ever shoot as many 360 layups and not get them in.
1: Uh, I have to go for them. and That's <laughs> <love>. <laughs> I think
3: open, you get more points for that. Don't you? <laughs> open open break is the only one there. He'll throw up in a 360.
2: And um, what the thing is with the um, the Dur- 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 right is kind of the more sensible option but we're going to lose games so why don't we just go for the fun option <laughs> let's just get him and get go for wiggins next year
1: yeah, join join that lottery i mean I, i'd love to see the uh the all knucklehead sixers team with, uh, with Bynum and uh, and and young leading the leading the charge but uh yeah it's, it's probably not going to result in too many wins
2: and i mean his salary's not great either it's like 6 million a year and
1: yeah look it it's it's a lot of money to pay for uh, inconsistent production. Yeah. Um, but then again, you know, we're, we're paying him a very similar amount to, to Evan Turner, so you'd be, you'd be happier paying paying Evan Turner than Nick Young.
2: Yeah. What other moves do you think we should be making in the free agency? I mean, is there anyone else out there? I mean, I like the look of a Carl Corver. like, just wind up hitting threes. I think we, we do lack some shooting and I think there'll be a lot of suitors for Carl Corver that's my only worry, so if you can get him on like a two-year deal, maybe you will be more inclined and Carcova for me is someone we should be targeting. You have other free agents out there, it's not a good free, not a great free agent class, really, because we're not, we're never going to land Dwight Howard or Chris Paul, and other than that, it's a bit, of a bit, of a big drop off. Okay. Yeah,
1: someone like a guy like David West would be fantastic for the Sixers, but he, according to all reports, he'll be back in Indiana. But looking at some of the lesser names that you could look at, maybe someone like a Chase Budinger, who probably isn't, you know too much of a loss for the Minnesota Timberwolves but I, I'd like to see a guy like him in a similar way that you mentioned Kyle Korver, uh be a nice perimeter threat and, and another sort of athlete that the Sixers could use mm,
2: it's not a bad show, yeah.
3: <laughs> along the same vein as uh, Kyle Korver JJ Reddick as well I don't really think we will get him but yeah it would be nice to see him uh, f- throw down a few
2: free balls but yeah
1: especially if we if we do get rid of Evan Turner I, I'd be more than happy with JJ Reddick uh, replacing him there no
2: yeah I think the only thing with me is, I think JJ Reddick will probably go to a, a more of a contender. He's he's almost like a like a last piece to fill a, a contender as opposed to a rebuilding job.
1: Yeah, I think that no pressure situation uh, of being on a very good team and being the third, fourth, even I guess maybe fifth option scoring wise for JJ Redick would, would definitely suit his game uh, the most, and and you could see him on a team like the Chicago Bulls or the mm. Oklahoma City, uh, and really you know, taking them to the next level and being that extra guy that's in the corner or, or being that perimeter threat that can that can space the floor uh, for a team like that. So I, I think he's probably more likely, as, as you said, to, to go to a, a much better team.
2: And um, obviously we've got the upcoming draft. We've got the 11th pick. And um, I don't know how much you know about the draft, Benjam, but um, would you target a player or would you target just the asset?
1: Uh, I think th- this draft, it's a bit tricky because... Normally in 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 draft history you sort of look one through fifteen and there's solid players most of the way down and I think with this draft it's really only players one through six and seven that you can get any level of a guarantee and then it's it's very much uh, just take That's your pick it. yeah from, from from seven onwards and and in in most of the mock drafts the Sixers have uh, Kelly Onick from from Gonzaga big seven footer who can play away from the basket take rebounds isn't a particularly physical uh, presence, but could add some offense and, and a big body to the Sixers. I'm, I'm not really too sold. Uh, I saw a little bit of him in the in the tournament, and and, and whilst he's impressive at the NCAA level, he, he reeks of a of a Tyler Hansbro, Joe Alexander, uh, the NCAA makes my game look pretty good kind of player that, that mm. wouldn't really translate too well to the NBA.
2: I just think all the mock drafts have us as big men because we uh, we're going to lose Bynum. I don't think that's the way Henke will look at it. It'll be my the, Who's the best asset I can take, and who can I flip him for? I know he went forward to us, but um, someone like Trey Burke, I think if he fell to us, we'd, tri- we'd, we'd take him straight away. We've got a point guard, but Henke would be like, oh, let's flip that. And uh, looking at it, if I had to pick a player to come in and slot in, I think we need a, maybe a shooting guard uh, next to Drew and have Evan at, at a three. So maybe someone like um, Caldwell Pope. I like I like his game, I like his shooting. His athleticism, I, I, I was sold on, um, you might see him in the tournament, Victor Depot all, all season, but unfortunately his, his draft stock rose because it's not it's not a good draft class. And unless we trade up, which uh, it's not out of the realms of, poss- realms of possibility with Hinckley, we, we could see us trade up. W- what do you think about trading up in this draft class?
1: Well, I, th- I think there's definitely some, some merit in that, and I think Hinky's the kind of guy that would definitely look at something like that. Uh, Oladipo has been very impressive in, in his workouts, and I think you know that athleticism and, and his his work rate has sort of pushed him towards the sort of top three picks now. So he's definitely probably out of reach. Trey Burke is another guy who you know, was very impressive in the tournament, and, and could probably uh, again I, I doubt fall down that low. But looking at what you were saying with the you know, getting a, a shooting guard or, or a big name that you could probably move, I think. There's definitely capacity for someone like a Shabazz Muhammad Mm. who, on name alone, you could probably move for something uh, quite good. Uh, There's every chance that he could end up being the Perry Jones of of this draft because he seems to just be tumbling down the draft uh, as the weeks go on. But also someone like a Tim Hardaway Jr. at at, at 6'6", a very sort of lean shooting guard – again, it's, it's pedigree and, and a name that you could probably move for something, so those are the two other guys that I'd, I probably wouldn't mind looking at, because at the moment, they're, they've both sort of fallen beyond the 11th pick in the draft.
2: Mm, and we've got the uh, 11th pick, we've got a later, we've got two second rounders I think. Um, yeah, we've got the 42nd pick and the 35th pick. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you'll fall to one of those, but you've got players like Seth Curry, in the, uh, from the esteemed Curry household, and Players like that are always going to shoot well. And at the start of the year, when the first mock draft came out, they had him going undrafted. So if we could pick up a Seth Curry in the second round, and there's another guy that caught my eye. I know it's YouTube clips, but uh, I I don't want to pronounce his name, but it's, it's Giannis something, and he's a Greek prospect. He's six foot nine, and he can kind of play the point guard and the small forward. And looking at him, he's 18 years old or 19 years old. So you'd have to stash him away, but Stashing away a prospect and international prospects works for the Spurs and teams like that, so that could be another route to go down.
3: Well, yeah, we've never really tried it, so I think it would be good to just maybe just try try doing that. Just try, as we said, there's new management. Just try doing something new,
2: and that's like Rudy Gobert going to. He'll probably fall to eleven, and he's seven foot one, power forward with a seven nine wingspan. So, I mean, he, he's going to come in straight away and block shots.
1: I think you, you could also look at a guy like, like Dario Saric who's, who's a very young guy mm. who you could probably go and stash another big body who can shoot the ball. And and I like the idea of, of stashing an international guy. I think the last time the Sixers tried that it was with uh, Petiri Kopanen from Finland and that t- just ended up being nothing. But uh, I, I do like the the idea of, of, of not trying to, to get, you know, great now and maybe having an asset down the track but uh, other guys that you know will probably fall in the second round that we could probably look at, someone like an Archie Goodwin out of Kentucky mm-hmm. another shooting guard who uh, you know, he's coming out of a good program and a good system, he's you know, apparently quite a hard worker and, and a smart player and yeah, a guy like that I, I wouldn't mind seeing in, in, in a sixer uniform but really when you look around this this draft mm-hmm. class it's it's you can almost just point anywhere on the board and and just hope to try and get something because there's there's not a lot of guarantees in this draft especially uh you know with, with a pick outside of the top 10
2: and it's it's all the more important nowadays to get value from your draft picks with the CBA and the way that's set up you need good value picks i mean we saw with Houston which happened mm-hmm. to be Hanky's team that um They picked China Parsons in the second round, and what a pick that was! They're paying him eight hundred thousand last year. So if you can get, if you can hit in the second round, and you've got a player on a cheap contract, which is brilliant
1: that's really the ideal situation that you, you strike gold with a with a 45th pick or a you know another very late second round pick there's there's definitely you know some value there um you know and, and i think a lot of that is just giving guys minutes houston were in a position that they were able to uh, to let parson's play probably more than a lot of people thought but it, it, I, it, that that's something you can definitely hope for but it, it's you know there, as i said there's not a lot of guarantees in this uh this upcoming draft
2: no you're right and
3: also, with the D League team, if they are, if we are stashing them, putting them on the D League so they can yeah. have minutes and they can have time to grow, then that's once again diff- new management just making changes that look like they might be a, a big positive for the Sixers.
2: Did, did you see the uh, D League team name is very stupid? It's like the '87ers, <laughs> and then they're called like the '87s, and that doesn't really make sense. And <laughs> it's just so sort of Sixers, and <laughs> <laughs> it's—I mean—it's a good, good thing to have the the. Uh, the D-League team because it's worked for San Antonio it's worked for Miami so I mean we're going down that route and it's always nice to see you uh, not copying shall we say taking ideas from the better franchises Cause it shows there's aspirations for a championship I mean I've always he's, he's got a bit of stick but I've always liked Josh Harris I thought I think he's alright I think he, he, he's he got the vision in mind and he's shown that he can go over the salary cap if, if needed and I think with Hinky in charge that there's chance now I think before with DeLeo I, I I felt the only way we could ever win a championship was if we lucked out in a draft and managed to land a LeBron type player. So like like your Andrew Wiggins next year, like your Jabari Parker's. And we we with Hinky I I have got more confident we can do it almost the Houston way and get a superstar to a trade, like the Knicks did as well with Melo. And I, I think the future's bright and I don't normally say that about the Sixers. But I just don't think it's going to be immediate graph- gratification. We're going to have to wait, and may- maybe down the line we'll look and we'll help, we'll uh, will be better. Well, if we don't, I touch-
1: think long term. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I think long term that the, the the direction that the Sixers are going in is the right one. As you said, with the, with the ownership group of, of Josh Harris and uh, and Adam Aaron and the rest of those guys, they're very uh, in tune with the sort of modern day NBA, and, and they're more likely, I guess, to to have that flexibility. Uh, going forward, you know, if we do have to go over the salary cap or, or we can aggressively chase guys, I think I think they, they're they definitely in a better position uh, to be competitive long-term. And, and uh, as you said, I agree with you, it's not going to be an instant uh, sort of success. I think it will very much be a, a three-year-four plan.
3: Well, yeah, if we don't make any big accusations this year, then next year we've only really got Drew Holiday and, and Thad signed, uh, if, obviously if we don't sign Bynum, um, signed in the, for the 2015 si- season, which... As I saying, is a big, is a good uh, draft class. So maybe with a lot of cap room, and I think it's a big. It's obviously with LeBron and Wade and all that lot coming off their contracts, it's going to be a big. Um, it's going to be a big free agent pool. Which, if we have got the salary to uh, to move around, we could we could get a big name.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're right there, and
3: but we're just going to have to endure another terrible uh, tanking season.
2: Oh, that's the thing. I mean. I don't like to say it, but if we lose games, we lose games, we can get, if 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 you get that number one pick, I mean, we've only seen Wiggins at high school really, and and the, uh, what's it called, the Nike Coop Summit, is it, the international game, between uh, the rest of the world and America, and this man, he looks like a franchise changer, I'll be honest, he, the way he spin moves, he's, he's hyper-athletic, and he'd instantly change the culture of any team he goes to, so... I mean, if you can luck out on a Wiggins, then you you don't even have to go through free agency that much. You just got to surround him, and we saw. I know Cleveland will be; they'll have some kind of bitterness about what happened to them. But I would take the um, finals appearance like for that. Like they've had, they had what six or seven good years of LeBron James dominating. Yeah, and if we could get something similar to that, even even half of that, and get a couple of good deep runs because last year was a, let's be honest guys I mean as, as well as we as well as as fun as it was it was a bit lucky and we we, we want to do it kind of playing the best teams with their best players and do you, like a, a bit like the Golden State Warriors this year they beat the Denver Nuggets and I want us to be beating teams not because they had I know Danilo he was injured but he's not their best player and I want us to be beating teams that have their best players fit and one day we will do that i'm i'm hopeful
1: i think that's you know, generally a pretty positive outlook and i think the sixers yeah, you know, they're making the right sort of steps to rebuild and, and get to that position. And, and as you said, I'd take those those finals appearances and 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 look as the Cavaliers, you know, that they lost out with LeBron leaving. But you know, I think that that led square now, and the fact that they've got you know Kyrie Irving and another number one pick to come. I think you know they've made out of that deal, you know, not too bad. So if that was the the best and worst of the next sort of ten year wave of the Sixers, I'd be I'd be pretty happy with that.
2: And, and they, I don't think they can blame. Oh, this is a bit of a tangent. But I don't think they can blame anyone but themselves really because let's be honest they did not surround LeBron with any talent <laughs> to be fair I mean yeah, I think he loved it in Cleveland and had 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 he got a player a good player next to him I think he'd have stayed and
3: I mean we all know about
2: the, the famous Carlos Boozer deal mm. that was meant to happen and they meant to sign yeah. and then you've got players like um they, uh, Daniel Marshall and Ricky yeah, Davis and there's exactly <laughs> actually
3: but the thing is they were nice. going to get
2: thingy they, like don't you think LeBron James should have got players to him as opposed to go, like, he could have said to Chris Bosh, come to me. But that, that, I guess that's that's not really about the state of the franchise of Philadelphia, but, <laughs> but I really think the Cavs are in a good place and it's kind of a good model to look at. The fact They've had to go through some awful or they've been worse than us recently and they've got Kyrie Irving, who's one of my favourite players in the game. You've got you got a Tristan Thompson who's really improved. He, he's a number four pick, but he's really improved himself. He get, grabs the offensive rebounds, and uh, they're, they're, they're missing a three man, which is why in the draft I'm not sold on them no, as no to Cleveland. But you know uh, that that might happen on my not. But Cleveland is the way to go, really, in terms of building up your draft picks and building that way, as opposed to because in free agency you're always going to pay bad contracts. I mean, Elton Brand springs to mind. Um, Chris Webber players like that and I just think I prefer to see us build through the draft because we're not a big market we're not we're not Miami we're not uh, New York we're not LA so if we're going to attract free agents we're going to be attracting them overpay. we're going to overpay for free agents for mediocre free agents
1: if we're going to attract free agents we need to put together a supporting cast already that's just missing one piece and in the Sixers defence that's what they that's what they Tried to do in, in in the summer just gone because they have a very good supporting cast and they were missing that star player in Andrew Bynum. So it's they've definitely I guess tried to take that approach. It just didn't work out, and it's one of those things that it happens in the NBA. But uh, I wouldn't necessarily blame the organization for that. But I think the approach is definitely on the right track.
3: Um, yeah, I fully agree. I fully agree. I fully agree. We we are we are looking to the future, and yeah, it's it it seems to be a lot more positive than. I thought it would be midway through the season
2: no you're right and there's a lot of positivity I think there's a lot more positivity in this podcast than I thought there would be I mean Bayern has <laughs> got us down this year let's be honest guys and it's not been easy and we, we've been kind of the laughing stock of the Lager league recently I think one day we'll, we'll try and come back and um, silence them and I think it's good to look at the, the season as a whole which wasn't a good one it's good to reflect and see see where to go and this is a, this is not really important to the team, but what do you think about the kit change to uh, the blue the, the blue i know ben you're a very big fashion man so is is blue the is blue the better than red for our away ship
1: i, I quite like the uh the alternate uni the uh the blue one I, I i think i liked it a bit better than the uh um than the red buns I, i'm 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 happy to put my seal of approval on the blue uniforms
3: <laughs> yeah me too. Yeah, I, I I love the blue alternative, and I'm so happy that I think it is <laughs> one of the biggest positives we've had of the whole year. That it is becoming the the uh, away kit.
2: I I like the um. I wanted the black back man. I wanted the the black with the golden red trim. But uh, I'm just I'm just a uh, probably <laughs> a bit. Biased, in fact, we we all kind of grew up in the uh, Iverson kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> but the thing is, that was the that, the Iverson black jersey must be in the top five all time jerseys sold, surely, because that that yeah. was you saw that everywhere, even in England. But I saw that a lot.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I I bought it. I also had the uh, the blue alternative, which wasn't half as good as the black, but.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, I think one thing, one positive you can you can go to the seventy sixers is their vast array of, uh, of throwback jerseys. I think Philly has probably one of the best range of uh, vintage jerseys in the league. So I'd like to see the throwback get a get a bit more of a run in Philadelphia either this well, year or, or next.
2: Yeah, it's been confirmed that we've got uh, approval for one throwback and it's the, I think it's the uh, fifty, fifty five one. The the uh, we won the championship. Yeah, 1954-55 is the. Uh, one we're going to go with this year, and I think they'll probably build on that. Hopefully, one day we see the uh, 2001 throwbacks. On, I think that'd be cool. I'd like yeah. to see.
1: Now, I think we'll have to wait a while for that one to come <laughs> uh, to become a throwback.
2: <laughs> no, and um, I think it seems like we're ending positively, which is good. And we'll just round off with this: um, How many wins do you think the Sixers will get next season? Uh, that's my final question to you.
3: I, I I want I want a low number for uh, for the tank for the tank for for a dra- high draft pick, but if we do sign by resign bynum that I'm going to go for uh, I go for forty five and make seven, uh, eight or seventh place. I
1: don't, I don't mind that mm. with Bynum, I think. I'm going to go 40 without Bynum, 20. I want, I want, I want absolute bust without Bynum. Yeah. Without
2: Bynum, I want like one win all season. (laughs) (laughs) That's a Bobcat-esque season. But with Bynum and a supporting cast, were you looking at 50? For me, with Bynum. If everything
1: falls into place, I don't think that's beyond the the realms of, of possibility. Looking at, Looking at this season, the Milwaukee Bucks made the eighth seed with 38 wins. So you really don't need a lot of wins in the East oh, yeah. uh, to be to be a playoff threat. I think you, know, you get 45 wins, you're the you're the fourth fifth seed.
2: That's <laughs> incredible. Rhythm, <isn't> it?
1: um, <laughs> it's dreadful for the Eastern Conference.
2: Yeah, well, the p- thing is they've been more competitive series. Like everyone was kind of bashing on the Eastern Conference because it was cool, but in the in the Eastern Conference Finals is a lot better than the West. And, and and the thing oh. is, you can bash on the Eastern Conference as much as you'd like. They won it last year. They won the championship last year, the Eastern. They won the East. Cha- they're gonna probably win I think they'll win the Championship this year as well, but that, that's for another time.
1: Oh, looking at the, the playoffs in general, the uh the Eastern Conference was much more interesting than the Western Conference. There was too many, too many sweeps and uh, imbalances in the West. I was, yeah, I was it's much- got
2: of too but boring. San Antonio just beat <laughs> everyone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they beat everyone with their boredom and, and, and you know <laughs>
2: um, and uh, I think that's uh, where we're going to end it today and it's been great talking about the Sixers we don't really get a lot of time they don't really get a lot of coverage over here and I don't know about Australia but no one really cares about the Sixers anymore and let's just hope that under Hinkey and DeLeo, uh deleo has gone under Hinkey we can uh, really come back and hopefully maybe we'll look back on this in five years and we'll be We'll be, a, we'll be a force in the Eastern Conference. And uh, as always, if you want to check out the blog, it's the Double Clutch Podcast or webpress.com You can follow us on Twitter at Double Clutch3. You can follow um, Matt Bates at Bates 1991. I've jumped in there, Matt. And uh, you can follow me at Gunnar Frank. And thank you for joining us today, Benjamin. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. I know it's 10 o'clock over here in the mornings. So we just woke up nice on a Saturday morning. And um, I think it's been great to have you on the show. And it's something we'll have to do again sometime.
3: Yeah, thanks a lot. Absolutely
2: and you can follow Benyam at, uh, at Benyam Cadane is it yeah it's the one and check out the blog uh, com. great blog great podcast they just had uh, Andrew Bogue on the show so um, yeah thanks a lot for coming on Benyam
1: no thank you very much guys for having me really uh, appreciate it it was, uh, it was great chatting with you guys about the Sixers
2: and that's it for today and uh, remember the Sixers will be back one day with or without Bynum bye bye there's something called Essence in essence, I think, is, you know, how you want people
0: to feel about you. It's just about setting out on a mission and eventually accomplishing that mission. Julius Irving explodes! And that's for everyone, really. Where'd this guy come from, <laughs> you know? It was like ballet the way he flew through the air, the way he moved. Here he comes. Rock the baby to sleep
2: and His legacy is the image of him soaring through the air, inventing a move in
0: mid-flight. Trying to shake it up here, do something a little bit different. I don't know by the doctor! He can do it all. When the ABA and the NBA merged, that's when the excitement came. Here comes Watch the doctor sailing. He started walking in there with that fro blowing. It seemed like he could hang forever. Never saw it before. I was having the time of my life. Eating the just your morning. I don't think I've ever been one to constantly need to see my name up in lights. He brought a certain pizzazz, you know. It was cool to have, you know, the, the, the crazy fly clothes and the, the big afro. He was really the first celebrity outside of the sport of basketball because he was bigger than life. Clearly, basketball offered me an escape from uh, some of the harsh realities of life. Life is tough sometimes, you know, and life is about recovery. He said, I'm really tired and um, they need to come and get me. And He's talking about the angels. And that was the last thing he said to me. championship ring. I had a sense that maybe the window was closing for winning the NBA championship. Doc wanted to win at all costs. People would always say let's win this one for Dr. J. You always got to believe in yourself. You always believe that you got enough to do it. He was more than a basketball player. He was an artist. Just a really wonderful gentleman. I think Julius was as beloved player in the NBA as there was. When greatness meets class, that's what God created in Dr. J. My life is a lot more complicated to be than to be summed up in a sentence.